By this time of Passover, and Dave's alluded you know, to, to the time it is, it's the seventh day, but I'm always reminded of Bubba Blue at Passover. Remember Bubba Blue? It's not his given name. His given name is Benjamin Beaufort Blue. But they call him Bubba. Just like one of them old redneck boys. Can you believe that? Forrest Gump's friend. Forrest Gump's friend. Bubba Blue. Shrimp boat guy. Bayou La Battery, Louisiana. That's where he was from. Remember him now? <clears throat> he loved shrimp. He loved it. I can't do an imitation at all, but it went something like this. Anyway, like I was saying, shrimp is a fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it. There's um, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan-fried, deep-fried, stir-fried. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. And that's about it. <laughs> and right now you should be asking one question. What in the world is he talking about? Why does he always start these messages in such an incredibly weird way? Here's the reason. It's very easy. It's more than Shabbat today. As I said, it's the seventh day of Passover. And that brings one thing to mind, which Dave has already alluded to. Seven days of matzah consumption. It brings a lot of other things to mind besides that. But I've been eating matzah for seven days. And this is it. It's, it, it this is my Bubba connection. Anyway, like I was saying, matzah. It's the bread of affliction. You can make cheese matzah, matzah pizza, toffee-covered matzah, matzah ball soup, Matzah lasagna, matzah meal, homemade matzah, matzah truffles, locks on matzah, matzah nachos, and that's about it. <laughs> and by this time, I've eaten all of those things. And if I don't stop, I will not maintain my sanity. Matzah. But... Dave's talking about eating a sandwich. Forget about a sandwich. My beeline is to Krispy Kreme for a dozen big, puffy, greasy, baked, flour-risen donuts. <laughs> but let's be serious. This is the Bible we're talking about here. Day one of Passover gets a lot of attention, a lot of attention, because a lot of really important things happened, right? Blood on the door, angel of death, creeping death, right, Travis? Don't bake your bread. Egypt loads you down with treasures, and off you go. We're out of here. Yes, but that's just the beginning. That's the start of the story, right? Pesach, the 14th of Nisan, it's just the beginning. You have seven more days, eight days of matzah rejoicing in the, in, the, in, the, in the galut, in the exile. But this day is a very, very big deal in, in Judaism. 
First off, as I said, double Shabbat. For seven days, prevent a food off, present a food offering to the Lord, and on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly. That's what we're doing. It just happens to coincide with Shabbat. But of all the days to celebrate the most, Acharon Shel Pesach, the seventh day. But what happened? I already told you what happened. What happened on the seventh day? Thank you. Thank you. They passed through the Sea of Reeds. Yam Suf, the Sea of Reeds. You remember the story, right? It's one of my favorites for so many reasons. But in Exodus 12, here's what it says. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. What was happening? Behind them, they were trapped with the sea in front. Pharaoh and the chariots and the horsemen bearing down from the back. Behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to, the Moses, to Moses, these questions, man, these questions. Are so people. They're so people, so human. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? They were slaves. And they asked that question. Why? Because they're facing a potential problem, right? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Crazy, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses slapped their hand theologically. He said, fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. And then what you don't know is Moses turned around and went, God, what am I going to do with these people? <laughs> That's not in the text, but God's answer tells us that because he paraphrases. Here's me paraphrasing. Stop whining, Moses, and tell them to Kadima, go forward. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moshe. And I've told you before in previous messages, that is one of the deepest and most significant shadows of the Messiah in all of the Torah. They believed in Hashem and in his servant. There it was Moses. Now it's someone else. Messiah, Yeshua. So, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And it's become, it has become a pretty uh, significant celebration in some Jewish circles, particularly... Well, did you know there's charismatic Judaism? <laughs> it's not called that. It's called Hasidus, Hasidic Judaism. It's a more energetic, spirit-filled, if you will. We can borrow some... Azusa Street terminology here. But, but it was a movement of Judaism that really came into its fullness under the leadership of the Besht. That was his name, his rabbi name. The Baal Shem Tov in the 18th century. And he was very, very like, you know, he, he felt like God needed to be in all things, and they were very passionate. But they, he, he created something to commemorate the story of God's salvation of his people, yes. 
And the parallels, when we look at the, the into the sea and out of the sea on the other side, saved, it's not real hard to make a messianic connection to that, is it? Yeshua descended and came up that we might do the same through salvation. It was his going down and coming up that saved us. But, but here is a question. Is our redemption complete? Absolutely not. As history has borne out, is Israel's redemption complete? Absolutely not. There's, there's much to be done. And like Israel, who, who sat waiting from the first day, moving through the desert to the seventh day with uncertainty and not knowing what was coming, here we still sit with uncertainty, not knowing what's coming, except for the final redemption, which will come from Messiah. So whether you're a traditional Jew, a Messianic Jewish believer, a Messianic Gentile, everything hinges, as Paul said, on the coming of Messiah. That is the completion of redemption, not our first salvation step. As, I mean, our first deliverance step. As, is, as God brought Egypt out of Israel, that wasn't the that wasn't the climax, really. Paul says, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That is, the, what is the first fruits of the Spirit? It is a taste of redemption and salvation. It's not complete. But he says, we groan inwardly as we, eager, we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. So salvation is a thing. But Paul says, Paul now says that there's something big we're waiting for. This is obvious. We know it. So the Seder, the four cups that we've already had, sanctification, deliverance, redemption, and hope. The last cup of the Seder that you drank was the cup of hope, the cup of the coming kingdom, the cup that Yeshua, you know, he, he didn't have any wine after dinner. Why? He said, I'm going to wait. I'm waiting for the kingdom. So he sets a precedent for us in the fact that we are looking expectantly, expectantly. In the words of Rabbi Schneerson, the Rebbe, the ultimate Passover leap forward will be with the coming of Messiah. And as our rabbi says, Yeshua, I won't drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in the kingdom. That's exciting, right? I like that. What's this miracle that we're remembering at the Seder? Well, that Seder, first and second night Seders are looking back, right? They're looking back with joy and gratitude and celebration. But, but we're really now in a position to focus a lot of energy and attention forward. And that's the idea that the Baal Shem Tov, the Besht, this rabbi of Hasidic Judaism, captured in this meal of Messiah, the Sudat Mashiach, which we will gather tomorrow night to remember the meal of Messiah. What is it? I mean, didn't we already have that? Didn't we already just have the meal of Messiah? Like we, we, it, the first Seder, it was looking back. No, 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 no. We didn't have the meal of Messiah. We looked back and we remembered what, what has been done. But this meal, this meal 
is forward. Joy, expectation, redemption, a festival meal. You ready to celebrate? You ready for the biggest reason to celebrate? I'm kidding. It's the last matzah you're going to eat this year. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That's a great thing. We love matzah. Four cups of wine, you still get to enjoy them. But the most important thing, the Messiah is at the center of the meal. Messiah all centered on the promises of the messianic age that we're waiting for. In the words of another famous sage, the Tzimach Tzedek, the first day of Pesach is Moshe's festival. The last day of Pesach is Messiah's festival. Isn't that beautiful? It's it's real. And so this is the meal to celebrate. And I mean... As a messianic community, I think we probably should make that something important to us, a meal that commemorates and looks forward to Messiah. But there's a difficulty. Let's get this out of the way, first of all. 18th century, that's when this came. We are biblical purists. If it's not in the Bible, we don't do it. Sola Scriptura. (laughs) Rabbi. This thing is man-made, and it's made by Jews who don't believe in Jesus. Have you lost your mind? Because I help you find it. (laughs) Let me help you. Let me help you. A messianic meal, the meal of Messiah in Scripture. You ready? Ready for this? This may be a relatively new concept in Judaism, and Yeshua may not be at the center of that. But listen, actually, many sects of Judaism don't even observe the meal of Messiah. It's not not a thing. The concept is, a.k.a. the Messianic banquet in Scripture, in the Tanakh, in the Prophets, in the Apostolic Scriptures for sure. Isaiah 25, 6, listen to this meal. On the mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all people, a banquet of aged wine with the best of meats and the finest of wines. That's allegory. That's figurative. I don't think so. On the mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He'll swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears. Man, what a doozy of a meal. God's cooking meat and serving wine. Not God, but... Jewish tradition is certainly no stranger to that. We talk and sing some really crazy songs tomorrow. What will we eat at this meal? The giant ox and Leviathan. The giant ox and Leviathan. You know, Leviathan is a Leviathan. It's a huge sea creature that's in the Bible, right? Behemoth is also in the Bible. It's a huge ox. And so these Jewish tales don't know if they're real or not. And you don't either. And we won't until we get there. I can tell you just as many reasons why God might pull Leviathan out of the sea with a very large fishing pole, slice him up, fillet him, and then he's going to take his skin and lay it over the walls of the New Jerusalem so that when the cities look and see, when the nations come, there's a flashing, glimmering light coming off the walls. Is that crazy? Does that sound like an acid trip? (laughs) So does Revelation. Matthew 8, 
the messianic banquet. When he's talking to the centurion, he was amazed. He said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west. And what are they going to do? They're going to recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What do you do when you recline at the table? You celebrate a festival meal. Revelation 19.9, the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, those are the true words of God. Yeshua was very familiar with the wedding feast, yes? He's called the bridegroom. It's kind of like Baal Shem Tov may have read Revelation and say, hey, this is a cool idea. Or maybe it could turn out that the Baal Shem Tov was reading the very same materials that the author of Revelation was reading some 1,700 years later. And they are on the same wavelength by the Ruach HaKodesh, excited about the return of Messiah. So we're copying, I mean, so, so you're telling me, Damien, that this meal of Messiah here that we'll have tomorrow, that's the wedding feast of the Lamb? Of course not. We need Yeshua for the wedding feast of the Lamb. He's the star of the show. He's the bridegroom. So no, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it is a prolepsis. Remember this word? A prolepsis. Living, I mean, seeing a thing as if it is reality before it actually is. It's a practice and building up your spirit expectation. But listen to what these Hasidim thought about the meal of Messiah. See if there's a connection for you in this. They believed that in eating the matzah and drinking the wine, a new and deeper connection with Messiah was being established. Does that sound familiar? For the Hasid, it's thought that when participating in this special meal of Messiah, that one takes the soul of Messiah with you through the upcoming year. Guess what? You already have a little seal and deposit of Messiah within you. And we do take bread and wine. I mean, Yeshua says, truly, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of, the man, of man, his disciples didn't care for that one that much, you have no life in you. Take this and eat. This is my body. Drink from it. This is the blood of the covenant. Yeah, we already do that. It's called the Eucharist. It's called the Last Supper. No, no, no. It's actually called Passover. It's not called any of those things. That's when we do that. Now we're doing something different. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. This is my body, which is given for you. We do that in remembrance of him, right? First Corinthians, in the same way, he took the cup after, that's not First Corinthians, took the cup after supper. This is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we take the matzah, we take the wine in remembrance of him. But tomorrow we celebrate the meal of Messiah, not in remembrance, but in expectation expectation of the promise that we have. Yes, that's the prolepsis. Do this, I would imagine Yeshua saying, in expectation of me. So what do we do about the relatively new thing? What do we do about this, um, oh, this, it's man-made. Anyone ever heard of charismatic Christianity or Pentecostalism? You know how long it's been around? About a hundred years. Anybody ever heard of the Baptist church? You know how long it's been around? About 400 years. 
People do new things all the time and they don't really get too much grief about it. This is Messiah-centric. And why is it a later development? I mean, why didn't Yeshua, why didn't Paul come up with the meal of Messiah? Well, because he was about 20 years after Yeshua died. We're uh, resurrected. We're 2,000 years later and we're still waiting. So every bit of expectation and excitement we can find a way to muster up is a good thing, right? It's a later development because here we are still waiting. Now, it's celebrated on the last day, which for us is the eighth day. But Bible says Passover is only seven days. There you go again. It's a remembrance of something that you need to remember. Get that? That's double remembering. That means it's really important. Remember the remembrance I'm asking you to remember. For The festivals aren't doubled in Israel. You don't have an eighth day of Passover. You don't have those things. Why were the holidays doubled? It's because if you were outside of Jerusalem, you couldn't, and they saw the moon and they said, the festival is beginning. If you're somewhere way outside of Jerusalem, they can't get you the word to start. And so there was, it's much more complicated than that. But there were two days because you didn't want to miss the festival. But now all that's left of that, all that that means to me outside of one more day where I can't eat Krispy Kremes and is that it's a reminder that we are in exile. The home is with Messiah seated on the throne in Jerusalem. That's where we're supposed to be. And we wouldn't have doubled holidays. We wouldn't be in exile. Yeshua would be teaching and ruling and reigning, and it would be incredible. But all the better for us to celebrate the meal of Messiah on the exile day of the eighth day of Passover, that we can really really think about what this means. As we cleanse out the old leaven that we're a new lump and we're really unleavened, Messiah, our Pesach, has been sacrificed. Let us celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. It is our sincere hope that Messiah is revealed to us all soon. For every piece, Messiah had a match. 14th of Nisan, sacrifice of the Pesach. 14th of Nisan, Yeshua crucified. Nisan 16, the day that he resurrected. That was the first time they ate the new grain in Joshua 5. It was the first fruits, you get it? Nisan 21, Israel was saved through the Red Sea, deliverance that began a week ago, now completed in this salvation through the sea. Day seven for us, day eight, we remember Messiah. And we look forward with what he's going to fulfill. We've received a portion of it, yes? The new covenant inaugurated, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and yet here we wait. We wait. And so... We're actually just waiting for this very old thing to be done. People love to say, you know what? God's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. God doesn't do a lot of new things. He really doesn't. Because he's had a plan since very, very, very old. 
And that's what we're celebrating tomorrow, right now, tomorrow too. We're waiting for the new thing that has been from before the foundations, redemption, salvation. And anima amin comes to mind. I believe with complete faith in the coming of the Messiah. And though he may delay, I wait for him every single day. And what are we yearning for? We're yearning for our master, for Yeshua, our rabbi, Messiah. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. So tomorrow night, we'll be in here. This is where we'll be. Celebrating the meal of Messiah and looking forward with the greatest joy and expectation to the completion of our deliverance, to the completion and fulfillment of our salvation. As Yeshua comes, restores the kingdom, and brings us with. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Let's stand.